You're listening to Hawks Insiders, the home of all things brown and gold on the internet. Subscribe to our Substack for more Hawks coverage. Good evening, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Thursday in, uh, Thursday night. Safe spaces for us at the Hawks Insiders. It is the first post-match spaces of the year, if you could call what happened today at Centennial Park slash GMHBA Stadium a match. It was more of an exhibition at which the Hawks were on the receiving end of a right old belting from the Cats, but there's uh, a lot of context and a lot of... Uh, explanation to go into it, which we're going to get stuck into very, very shortly. Thank you everyone for joining me for the next hour or so. I'm joined by my co-host in the driver's seat tonight, Danny Prins. Hello. Ash, good to be here tonight, even after this afternoon's performance. Uh, but it's it's good to see us playing against somebody that isn't wearing the same colours as us this week. Um, if you're watching the VFL game at the moment, that's still going on. It's a lot more encouraging and based on uh, for Max is correct, uh, the Hawks, uh, it's about level, I think, at the moment. John might have to be one point up, but uh, in the third quarter of that game. Uh, hello to Brad Klebanski. Good evening, everyone. Yes, watching the game now. There's actually some pretty good signs. Bailey McDonald and Tyler Brockman are playing really well. So, better we'll signs get into, in we'll this get into game. that in a little bit, Brad. Hold your, hold your fire there. And from somewhere on the Geelong Highway, it's uh, Andrew Weiss. Uh, give us a, a traffic update. Yeah, g'day, Ash. G'day, everyone. Certainly um, much easier driving home than it was on the way in. That was an absolute disaster, disaster. But um, just uh, just a couple of minutes from the Westgate Bridge. So, yeah, traffic's okay. I got Ethan listening to tunes in the seat next to me. Uh, a nice enough way to start uh, what is going to be a very, very long season, I think. And uh, where was the where was the uh, roadside dinner on the way home? Which, which uh, fast food outlet did you frequent? Well, Ethan uh, had his pick of the board, and grilled is always his go-to. So. Had myself a bar bar burger. Uh, yeah, very, very happy, very satisfied. And now just looking forward to chatting with everyone here for the next hour. So what we're going to get through is um, we'll talk about the game. You were there, so you'll be running the show by and large. You'll be uh, leading this conversation because I uh, only really saw bits and pieces of the game. I think Brad only saw bits and pieces of the game. Danny didn't see a whole lot as well. We did say it was awful timing. Um, but we can guarantee you that of the few hundred who were at the game, one of them was Hawks, Hawks Insider. So we think our insights will end up stacking pretty well. But I'm sure I'd love you watched it. And if you have insights, questions, thoughts of your own, please don't hesitate. Put your hand up to speak. We'll get you on as soon as possible. We, As always, we want this to be a wide-ranging conversation. Um, thank you, everyone. The other housekeeping, thank you, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month and $50 for the year for great brown and gold content. I think we might have delivered for you on that front in the last few days. Uh, let's get into it. So the margin was about 85 points in Geelong's favour. Hawthorne got a goal within about the first minute. And for about 10 or so minutes, it seemed pretty competitive. I was doing something and then I put my head down to do some work. Looked up five minutes later, it was five goals to two. And the route was on. Um as I said, Wes, you were there, so we're just going to let you pretty much run through your observations. Who played well? 
who didn't play well, areas of promise, areas of concern, you know the drill. For sure. Well, I think what's really important will be uh, for anyone who's got any questions or has been watching, as you said, to jump in because uh, happy to have a discussion. Obviously, you see things differently on TV to at the, gra- at the ground. Although I think it was, it was fairly obvious to everyone who the better players were today at Geelong. Um, in no particular order, I mean, James Sicily um, was magnificent. Uh, I think at one point in the group we talked about uh, getting him off and potentially not playing him next week. That's how important he is to us. But um, he certainly showed no signs initially of the concerns he had at the intra-club um, was an absolute general in defence, did a great job. Um, Will did he play midfield at all? Sorry, did he play midfield at all? Through at... So he did. Uh, he probably came to maybe two centre bounces, and off the top of my head it was early in the third, and, and I only really recognised it because Ethan turned around and said, what's this doing in the middle? Um, but it really wasn't a significant period of time. He went back down back. Um, he started off the game one-on-one um, on Cameron. Uh, and, you know, in the second half, by the end of it, he was playing that plug the gap. Um, he was either taking kick-ins or generally the first person to receive the kick-ins and, and, and was the player they were going to to crisscross across to the other side of the ground as well. So that distributor role, that loose man role that should have got him All-Australian last year. Um, he played that again tonight and looked absolutely magnificent. Um, so he was definitely a standout. Uh, I think if we're going through the next rung of players, um, Josh Ward didn't play the first quarter, um, but as soon as he came in in the second, he made an impact. He made a couple of um, a couple of errors, but at the same time, he his disposal generally was magnificent. You could see he's still a much lighter body, much lighter frame, uh, and needs to to grow into a full-time midfield role, and that's going to take a couple of years. But again, I think there's one point there after I sent a message to say um, that he, he could be he could be the best player on our list. Like, he could be the most talented player on on our list. He was just absolutely magnificent in those three quarters. Those stats, so those was... stats kept the game. He just seemed to love... When I was looking, and again, I, I only watched Fleeping Lee, a lot of dinky kicks and short kicks. Or was he... Was he yeah, were there long penetrating disposals uh, from, to, to help move the, move there the ball? Were, there were. There were, but they, they weren't necessarily going forward. He had one 50-metre kick from one side of defensive 50 all the way to the other and I think it was Connor Nash he hit up right on the boundary and it was just absolute precision. Um, but I think what will be a story of the year and, and has been a story in previous years, I mean anyone who got the ball running off half back and looked up to our forward line uh, it's not much of a surprise that he had a lot of smaller kicks where um, at this point, depending on the game plan and the forward line structure, he's probably better off having 100% disposal efficiency and making sure we hang on to the ball than 
turning it, turning it over because we kept going forward and they kept kept coming out with it pretty easily. Um, so uh, I wouldn't read too much into the nature of the kicks as opposed to the fact that he played a decent midfield role. He swept across the halfback line and he got it a lot, um, which was very promising. Um, and that probably ties into, he seemed to switch a bit with Will Day, who had quite a few midfield minutes, um, quite a bit of play then back at, at the half-back line. Bless you, Ethan. Not sure if that came through. Um, a, a bit of play across the half-back line. Got a lot of the footy. Um, classic Will Day, I thought, used it really well as well. Um, so all of the pre-season talk about trying to mould him into a midfielder, uh, again, we looked like a bunch of kids against like a group of men, especially in the midfield. So I, I think what we'll end up seeing is, you know, guys like Ward and Day playing a lot of midfield minutes, potentially getting beaten, but learning their craft and as they grow and develop their bodies over the next couple of years, they'll then have the tools to, to match it physically. So um, he was really good, really promising. Dylan Moore was pretty quiet in the first half and came into the game a lot more in the second half. Um, I actually thought one of our more maligned players, just, Denver Graham. For those watching Rass, the footy, sorry to interrupt, there's a fantastic passage of play. Uh, for Box Hill, really good passage of play that ended up with a goal to uh, Bennett on the end of it. Really nice piece of play through the middle. So, Brad, as Brad said before, uh, there's a little, there's a few little green shirts for those who are who have persevered and watching this VFL game stream that's still live on KO. Yeah, back to you, Brad. You've got something. You got your hand up. Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on our forward line. I believe Fergus Green played really well which is a positive, but like last year when John Newcomb became our best player in the midfield and arguably our best player behind Sicily in only his second season, is it a worry that Fergus Green is currently our best forward? How did Cozzy go? How did Meek and Reeves go when they rested down there? How are we going to kick a winning score in the opening four weeks without Mitch Lewis and potentially longer? Okay, so, and Carl Amon's the other one I'll get to. I don't want people to think I've missed his game, but Let's talk forward line. So how are we going to kick a winning score? I think the evidence might suggest that we're not. <laughs> um, look, if I'm going through forwards, um, Cozzy presented pretty well uh, in the first half. He... Uh, Dropped a terrible was one, a beautiful one shocker. Oh, oh, it was such a good piece of play. Oh, and you just went, there's Cozzy. And it was just disheartening because, like, I don't think anyone's going to begrudge him in the Mitch Lewis role knowing how much extra work he's going to do. However, there's no letting him off the hook when that, all the work has been done. He led really well. He got himself, everyone up the ground did their role and put it to him on a platter and... You know, you just you shook your head. So, um, Cozzy up forward looked terrible. Um, Fergus Green, who you mentioned, was fantastic. I think he drifted out of the game a bit uh, and in and out of the game a bit, as we did. He actually, you know, we've, we've made the comparison with Jack Gunston. Um, it looked 
he looked like Jack Gunston. Like he was leading, he was coming up the ground, he was making good space, he was getting into contests. But then at the same time, when we were in a rut, uh, again, through no fault of his own, he had some quiet patches. I think he's an absolute lock to play every single game this season, obviously barring injury or what have you. But I think that he has to play in that half-forward role. Um, I think that Jekka, who came on at half-time and played in the second half, looked pretty good and was contesting pretty well. Uh, missed a shot or two that he probably um, should have converted. But um, you think he was better with things like the second effort? His, his second efforts and lack of competitiveness has been a, a criticism of those by those who watched him closely. Did you see improvement in that area? Yeah, his second efforts were actually, there were a couple of moments where he did go in to contest. But, uh, you know, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other because they are usually times when he probably should have clunked a mark to begin with. So it's great that you're getting those second efforts, but he's still, you know, standing next to a Tom Stewart. Blitzards didn't play down back. But again, I talked about the midfield and, and their frames. You know, he's the body that Mitch Lewis had two years ago. He's still so lightly framed and isn't a big hulking forward. So he he presented really well. There was enough there to be encouraged about, but not that with a combination of him and Cozzy and even Green and, you know, that we're going to kick. 15 goals a game. So uh, I guess the others, the first half, the Meek and the Reeves combination that you asked about, Brad, seemed to work really, really well. I liked it. Meek was contesting really, really well in the forward line and and Reeves probably looked like the better ruck today, in, in my opinion. But I think that's going to work perfectly, that, that changing. They did a lot more resting up forward as opposed to um, resting on the bench. Then you had the other two from a forward line point of view. Um, Chad Wingard um, did a lot of bits and pieces that looked really good. He spent a lot of time on the bench as well. So I, I feel like he was managed and, and looked pretty good. Um, and then we also had Connor McDonald, who in the first half looked fantastic. I think he barely got near it in the second, but saw enough of him again to know that once he's got the tank and once he can get more into more contests for more of the game, he is going to be an exceptional player. I think he'll play a fair bit in the forward line. Um, Butler didn't have uh, that much to do. So, you know, I, I think that Brad, it is going to be an issue all season. I, I think we're going to struggle we're going to struggle kicking goals and we'll have games where, especially with no Mitch Lewis, where our mids will be kicking more goals than our forwards, I reckon. Bit of feedback from people who, uh, Justin said, I've only been a practice match, but Warper looked horrible to me. His one would have supposed to be contested ball and clearances looked too slow and not hard enough. First five to ten minutes, he streamed out of the middle, no pressure, and kicked it way over the forward heads by two or three metres. Chris Burden says, Cos, he's a walk-up start for Box Hill. No Lewis. Fergus Green is a start. And I think Jack has to play only because Cosy was so putrid. Uh, what do you say well, to that? Well, so uh, I'll address the Walpole because 
because Walpole and Finn McGuinness for me were concerns in our midfield. I mean, all of this is prefaced with it's the first game of preseason, and but it was for Geelong too. And we were playing against Geelong, who were the reigning premiers. So it's all you know, it's all relative. So it makes it sound like I'm disgusted and I'm so upset and and all of this. I'm absolutely not. This just is the reality of where we're at. Warpole, it's really hard because obviously they're giving him a chance. His intent, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. He worked really, really hard. I'm not sure who you said it was, Ash, but they were spot on. Like, he just butchered it. He butchered it. There are a couple of times where... You know, Tony Woods-esque, he was getting some long bombs forward, which were important, but there's no precision finding someone, and he turned it over a lot. Similarly with Finn McGuinness, um, he needs to have a tagging role every week. That is what made him, or indeed him, to all of us through the second half of last season. Um, and when he gets the ball... He either tries to do too much with it, like he's slow, he's clunky, he doesn't suit being a pure mid. I, I feel like he's going to have to get a role. So I sort of had Warple and Finn in the same um, sort of grouping today. Uh, a, a few other players, Ash, I, I think are worth mentioning. I'm not sure how much I talked about DGB before. but You didn't at all. He, he pl- oh, well, he played the second half. And it was very, very encouraging. Um, so I, I think that James Blank was given a bit of a bath today. Sam Frost did classic Frost ball things where um, he did a couple of, you know, really good spoils, um, long bombs, but also a couple of really sloppy turnovers. But DGB looked really, really good reading the play and coming into the contest. Lockie Bramble, I actually thought, and he probably got a bit tired as it went on and maybe butchered it a couple of times, but I thought he was one of our better players. It was really encouraging to see him as a true halfback flanker. That was pretty much where he played the whole game. Uh, He got a lot of it. He mopped it up a lot. Uh, He was part of the, um, the ongoing game plan, which was actually very frustrating to look sideways and switch, but that again is a, a symptom of our of our forward line. Um, but I thought he was really, really good. And then the only other one that I think is really worth mentioning was Carl Amon. Um, and I think he did decent enough. Uh, I had a couple of friends message me who were watching it saying, you know, it's it's clear that he's not going to be maybe as good or as effective in not as good a team. And I think today was probably the exact sort of example where he was pretty good. Um, and if you're winning by 10 goals, then that looks a hell of a lot better. Um, but it kind of gets lost a bit in terms of the effectiveness when you can't manage to put put much of a score onto the scoreboard. Um, it's very, very comprehensive Rap. Um, Husswaite had a look at it. Did you notice him? He's still playing in the game now, Husswaite, but he had a look at the second uh, in the second half of the main game. Did you have a look at him? Yeah, he started beautifully. He started really, really well in the second half. 
um, and spent a lot of time on the bench then, but also um, that I think it was in the last quarter. He had maybe like a five-minute period where he had about five touches coming through the middle uh, and looks very composed. That was clearly the most noticeable thing about him is composure. He seems to have extra time, but again, the flip side of that is how noticeable it is that he's just a kid, especially when you're up against second half, they bring on like Cam Guthrie and Blitzards is spending time in the middle and uh, you just look at our guys next to them. Even Jai Newcomb was, he worked really, really hard, but he, he, uh, he's probably got to look at what, what it's going to be like having to be that number one mid carrying the load. Um, even he seemed to sort of run out of steam and find the going a little bit tough against the bigger body midfield. So, yeah, I think all of it, all of it combined, uh, game plan's the other thing. Like, we've talked about how we're really excited to see the elements of the game plan, the fast, free-flowing game plan being put together. And there was absolutely zero of that on show today, in my opinion. And the turnovers and the attempt to switch, but then it gets completely slowed down. And Geelong playing their rolling um, zone all the way across the ground, man, it did not look very, it was not very appealing at all and, and turned into a lot of turnovers. But again, it's just about matches. These kids have to be doing this for three or four years and learning their lessons and growing up and they're clearly talented enough. And at the end of the day, it's a, a game in February against last season's premieres youngest team in the comp versus the oldest. So I'm not sure we really could have expected much more. Um, Connor Nash didn't seem to do a lot. Um, from Just seemed to run around a lot, but not do a hell of a lot. Another one who played and got some time was was future Bradley medalist Josh Weddle. Fair to say, from what I observed, that I think the pace of the game probably surprised him more than anything else. Yeah, well, I think early in the first quarter, there were a couple of plays and it was like, wow, like that's Josh Weddle and that is really exciting. And then I think, you know, as you mentioned, Ash, you looked away in that first quarter and Geelong had kicked five goals and they went on the wing, on the far wing from where we were um, through his player a fair bit. Uh, and he was probably directly involved in terms of uh, the passages of play that led to goals against. So it was a pretty steep learning curve. But again, I, I mean, he, he kept battling on throughout the game. He kept running hard. There are a couple of decent passages uh, that make you go, he's, he's clearly going to be a good player and has a lot to learn. Connor Nash, I actually thought Connor Nash got a lot of the ball, and I thought he worked really, really hard. But he, he he would potentially, I mean, there weren't any stats anywhere that I know of. He would potentially have been one of our biggest ball winners, I think, but they weren't damaging whatsoever. Um, and he he worked really hard, but it wasn't the it wasn't the Connor Nash from 
the end of two seasons ago that we saw through those last few games that we went up. Who is this inside ball tackling machine? Big body mid. Like, we didn't see that tonight. So, um, th- those touches were fairly inconsequential. A bit more feedback from Smorganism. We got torched by the Pies last March and looked lost, so I wouldn't be drawing any big conclusions from today's game or over-analysing it. Well, we've gone 24 minutes already, so <laughs> we're, we're the fool when, it's, when we're building a new midfield group and betting so much. Nuke, Ward, Dave, C-Mac, all good hit out and no injuries. That's a plus. What I will say, what I will say, A, no injuries, completely agree, but B, like the feeling of being back at the footy and watching it in the flesh is like my addiction's being fed again and regardless of the result and small spot on, like footy's back and just that in itself is bloody awesome. Uh, yes, and uh, well, we'll have to go too long again probably for a little while. Um, are many Hawthorne supporters in the house or uh, a mainly Geelong crowd? Mainly Geelong crowd, and um, yeah, it's. I mean, I can talk about it now, right? I'm not amongst them. <laughs> they're a com- fairly fairly complacent bunch, and they're allowed to be, I guess. Um, they don't turn up uh, to the footy looking for a contest. They turn up there looking for a performance. Yeah, I think there was someone in front of me, you know, halfway through the second quarter that said something like, oh, this just feels like last year all over again and it's already over and we're only halfway through the second quarter. Uh, so there's a bit of that. and But you know what? Again, it was good to see, I think, was it Stengel that kicked that magnificent goal uh, running to the boundary and everyone was up and about. And, um, yeah, it was good. It was good to be... I mean, it was good to be back down there because I've got so many great memories through the 90s and early 1000s and heading down there for, you know, we've done a couple of those pods, Ash, um, for some of the wins down to, there that were pretty special. Just to win down there a lot. So just in terms of set up the game, it, let's look through. So Geelong were, you know, Geelong were very impressive and they're so hard defensively. They got any time the delivery of Hawthorne for of centre was anything less than perfect. Geelong were just too well drilled to chop it off. Geelong, to my understanding, the only players who didn't play at all for them are Duncan and Hawkins. Is that right? Yeah, that I'm aware of. Oh, Isaac Jack... Smith. No, Isaac Smith played. No, Isaac Smith played. Isaac Smith played. played as came on at half-time. Yeah, he played half the third and fourth quarters. So Hawthorne were missing um, several... And not that it's made a big difference. I'm not looking at excuses here, but... So Hawthorne were missing a few more of their best 22. They were missing... Uh, no Bruce, no Lewis, no Gia, no Morrison. Who else am I missing? They're probably the, the main ones who didn't play. Yeah, and also, I mean, Impey came off at halftime and didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, there are a couple of others I think they've brought off at halftime. So, again, like Smog's right, it's a, it's a, it's a feb match and you can't take too much from it other than... You know, it's a reality of where each of these teams are. That they they looked really good, Geelong. It's really hard to say that out loud, um, especially for February. They looked really good, and they're clearly seasoned campaigners and know what they're doing, and will be right at the pointy end this year. Um, but yeah, the, there are plenty of positives to take out of it, and 
uh, we move on to the next week. All right. So I think that might nearly put a bow on that game. Um, so, yeah, Hawthorne back in action. Uh, five o'clock next uh, Thursday against Collingwood at Utah Stadium. Um, it'll be another big test for the side. Um, and, of course, we'll be on the spaces not long after that game finishes, less than an hour after that game finishes, to review that one. Um, so let's move on to some other news of the week for the Hawks, and we'll get Danny and Brad a bit more involved now. Um, and the first bit of news, obviously, was um, Sam Butler resigning until the end of 2025. I was mildly surprised by this one, but uh, I think the club saw a little bit more in him than I might have, but if I got this one hopelessly wrong, Danny, is he a... Uh, walk-up start, best 22 play this year and beyond? Uh, I don't know if he's a walk-up start, best 22 player this year, but definitely I think beyond. He was coming from a a fair bit further back than Ward and McDonald last year. He had a few interruptions um, with illness and um, I think a quad a couple of times. He mentioned in his his interview with the Hawthorne Footy Club website. Um, So we probably just didn't see the best of him, but I think um, I think he's got incredible talent. They, they picked him ahead of Connor McDonald, so they clearly really rate him. And um, I think they believe he's a, a fantastic uh, forward half slash run through the midfield type option uh, for the next 10 to 12 and, and longer years. So um, it's a no-brainer for me re-signing him. I think we'll see a lot more of him this year after a full preseason. And I think... Um, you know, he's playing a very tough position. He's going to be playing as a small forward in a in a forward line that doesn't have any real key forwards until about round six. So um, I wouldn't be placing too high expectations on him. But uh, the more time he can play with Luke Bruce together in the same side, the more he can learn from Brucey, uh, the better he'll be long term for the Hawks. And I think that's a it's a great re-signing. Brad, you happy? With Butler, yeah, absolutely. I think Butler has potential to be a very, very good AFL player. Showed some pretty good signs last season. Uh, I think he will start the year uh, in the best 23. I think Tyler Brockman will be putting pressure on him. they not exactly the same type of player, but with Wingard and Moore down there and Bruce, there probably is only one spot for either Butler or Brockman. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, the club obviously uh, rated him really highly. As Prinzi said, we took him before uh, Connor McDonald, who's going to be a very, very good player as well. Liked what I saw from McDonald in the first half today. Uh, but yeah, a really good signing. There's only, a, there's still a couple, you know, who we need to re-sign who come out of contract at the end of this year, particularly uh, Day and McDonald. I think both will re-sign. But yeah, now Butler's a good signing. And I think he will become a very good player for us, you know, in a couple of years' time. As Prinzi said, playing that small forward role is probably the hardest position on the grounds uh, to play. And playing that position for a team who's probably got one of, if not the worst forward lines in the competition without Mitch Lewis, it's going to be tough early on in the season for Butler. Um, well, you, I mean, obviously, with the small forward line, You've got to work hard to keep the ball locked in there, try and have repeat scoring opportunities. Did they have any luck trying to do that at all today? Uh, not really. I, I, obviously, I talked about uh, Sis and him playing a role. Uh, Tom Stewart did that for Geelong, as he does. And he's an incredible footballer, but 
Uh, he would have, you know, he would have had 35, 40 touches, I reckon. Uh, and that many marks, he just absolutely dominated. So, um, and that's not just from, uh, that's not just from little dinky, um, little dinky kicks or like just taking kick-ins or anything like that. He was intercepting, he was running through the back line. Um, Ethan just literally wrote a message to me to say that in the match report he was named best on ground. So, um, oh, yeah, oh, we weren't clunking any big marks either and some of the delivery inside 50 wasn't great either, but Baldin staying there for too long. So that, that was definitely an issue, Ash. Brad, did you see anything to change enough of the game to change anything in your role in best 23? Brad? Uh, from what I saw, I think Warpole, I had him as uh, the sub. I didn't have him in my best 22. Uh, he'll get another crack against the Pies next week, but I think he's under the pump big time. I know, I think it was Weesey last week mentioned he was a little worried about James Blank. I think our key defensive stocks is a worry going into the season. It's basically Blank, Sam Frost and our DGB. Uh, um, I know Sicily can play as a key defender, but we don't want him to be playing that role. And I think there's only room for two of Blank, Frost and uh, DGB. So that's going to be a big watch. Obviously, DGB showed some much better signs when he came on. But I still think Blank will get the first crack because of his size. We're going to need that against uh, Peter Wright against the Bombers. Hopefully, Jake Stringer doesn't play because if Stringer um, plays, it's going to be a big problem for us. Um, McKenzie didn't play today. I think he copped a corky last week, so he'll play against Collingwood. Hopefully, he plays well because I think there is a spot for him. Uh, Cozzy's uh, the other one. He'll probably get the first crack. I would rather play uh, Jekka. I think he's um, a more talented uh, player and we can only play one of Jekka or uh, Cozzy, because Fergus Green will get a spot. We'll obviously have Meek and Reeves uh, resting down there. Then the small forwards with Wingard, Bruce, Moore, and one of Butler and Brockman. It'll probably be Butler. So there's a few there, still a few spots up for grabs. And I know today was only, you know, the first game of, uh, you know, pre-season against an opposition. There is only three weeks to go to start the season. And there are a lot of players today who are playing for a spot in that round one side. So an 85-point loss with a few disappointing performances is not great in my opinion, but at least we get another look next week against Collingwood um, to see how they go. So I'll do my updated rolling 23 after this and post it up on Twitter. Um, I have got to watch the replay of today's game, but there won't be too many changes at the moment. We'll know more after next week's game. Uh, did you, Brad? Did did you have do you have Jack Scrimshaw in your rolling twenty three? Yeah, I had Scrimshaw on the bench. I know he was named in the I guess the possibles last week in our intra club game, which was fairly interesting. I just can't see how we could leave Scrimshaw out. I think he's you know one of our most talented uh, defenders. He uses the ball well. He's a good uh, yeah good interceptor. Yeah. We saw the back half of last year. He can go forward as well and uh, take a mark. So I'd be very surprised if he's not in the best um, side. I did have him on my bench just because I don't, um, I couldn't fit him in the starting back six. But Scrimshaw needs to play, in my opinion. A couple more observations. We made Rattigalia look like Tom Stewart. That's in Swarmism. Fair call. 
uh, from Andrew. Jai looks to have grown even more confident in his ability to be a midfield ball and break tackles. Loved his bump on Blitzabs. Jars looks fit and fast, and let's get excited about the number one draft pick. Well, I did give the history of uh, number one draft picks going to clubs that are on the bottom, and they don't necessarily deliver premiership. So let's just not get too excited at this stage about having the number one pick at the Hawks. Uh, Mick Howard Bramble was number one to butcher the ball off half back, which caught them all out. Yes, a few times on turnover, John Goddess, because it was Bramble who was uh, turning the ball over, running out of the back line. Um, a couple of interesting articles about the Hawks this week. Um, one, will they claim to, which is our Rob McCartney interview, which we put up as a podcast, uh, I think, on Monday, Tuesday, with, a, with an article of all Hawks Insiders, and also a very good piece by Josh Gavilich, friend of ours at Hawks Insiders, uh, who spent some time embedded in the Hawks, um, both at their Latrobe Valley uh, uh, camp and also at the Intraclub as well at Bundura last week. Um, Danny, you were involved in the interview with Rob McCartney. It was now of ours really well spent on Monday. But just For those who haven't heard it, and uh, now that you've had time to think about it, just enlighten us of what you thought about our chat with the head of uh, football, at, football at the Hawthorne Footy Club. Well, first thing I would say, if you haven't listened to it yet, go ahead, do yourself a favour, and um, after we finish up here, go and listen to that podcast. Um, I, I just thought Rob was incredibly articulate, um, incredibly insightful, and um, really thoughtful with his answers. And um, I think you can see how Clarkson brought in these guys around him, like McCartney and Bolton and guys like that, who have that teaching grant teaching background you can see how the way that they communicate um is clear and concise they don't overcomplicate things and i think that rob um really showed a calmness and uh um just a real sense of control over the football department that he has and um you know the insights he gave us were fantastic you know we've had two cracking interviews one with burge and one with McCartney in the last two weeks. Both of them have got excited about Josh Weddle. Didn't matter how hard we tried, Ash, he would not give him. He would not give us the number that they had him ranked on their on their board for draft night. We uh, we pushed and we prodded, but uh, to no avail. Um, I think it was but, ten or eleven. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a sneaking suspicion it was actually inside the top ten, and he just didn't want to give it away. But um, and and look, maybe like nine ish, ten ish, that sort of area. But I think I think that speaks a lot to the way that the Hawks have set themselves up and the way that they were willing to be bold and be brave and attack the draft with the draft capital that they got when they were bold and brave in attacking the trade period. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a period of transition that the club are in um, and it is definitely one which sees will see a lot of change. But I think when you've got great leaders like McCartney in your, in your football department, you've got great leaders like Burge in your strength and conditioning, Mitchell as, a, as the head coach, you know, you're setting yourself up really well for sustain, sustained success. And that was the one of the things that McCartney really laboured the point on. Like, it's not about just getting to the finals and making up the numbers or not getting to the finals like Essendon. It's about how can we build for the long term and for sustained success. And, um, you know, we're, we've, we've seen and read and heard things about rebuilds and Mitchell had a sit down interview with Kaltumi as well um, where they talked about when you're rebuilding like this you've got to be the only club doing it and we're you know one of two maybe with North Melbourne where we're really hitting it hard at the moment and I think 
that, you know, if you can hit on all of these top end draft picks, like I think, you know, we look like we have, then we set ourselves up really well to be able to have a crack. I mean, there are still, there are still holes and there are still question marks. Absolutely. Uh, the forward lines are worry, um, getting a, a real X factor type mid, um, you know, into complement who we've got is, is a must, but, uh, but, you know, there are some, found out, some foundational pieces. And like McCartney said, it's about getting games into them together and it's about them experiences, experiencing the highs and the lows of playing footy together so that when they experience the real challenges in finals footy and when their backs are against the wall, um, they've got that experience to draw on and they don't have that at the moment. Uh, see what do you think? We see you there, or are you uh, you're, you're arrived home. Sorry about that, Ash. Caught me a bit off guard with that one. Um, you might need to skip me for all this. Right. I was going to ask you about what your thoughts interview. That's all right. We'll we'll move on. So the other one was the AFL dot the- uh, Josh Gabbridge piece, which is an excellent piece, um, and talking about uh, how, again how the Hawks are. The approach to rebuilding the not just the football team but the entire football club and and some of the steps they're taking uh, to b- build a, a a new culture um, at the club. So again, commend that article to you on uh, AFL dot com today. Things like playing Pictionary before games at Latrobe. What I thought was interesting, we were at the game last week, Danny. Was that the uh, and I noticed at the game that the, the two teams came out of separate dressing, at least for the first half, the probables and the possibles came out of different dressing rooms. They had entirely different coaching staffs. They even trained separately the day before the game. So they actually set it up as almost as a separate, not as an intra-club game as such, but almost as, a set, as an inter-club game. Just having to between two teams from Hawthorne. Yeah, and I, and I love that because it, it allows them to replicate a pre-match um, game that they'd have. There's no... You know, we're all mates and da 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 da. It's get down to business, and you need to start forcing and reinforcing those habits so that they become part of what you do every every match. So uh, I'm I'm really big on that. I really think that the way that uh, Mitchell has our club set up and the way that they're starting this journey, like we're we're early doors, and I think even today's um, practice match match sim, whatever you want to call it, against the Cats, probably reset some of the expectation. I'm not I'm not. Um, it doesn't change my expectations. My expectations are fairly low in terms of results for this club this year. But, um, you know, it probably just tells us exactly what we what we should know, where we are. Um, but I think the most important thing is we know that the direction we're taking is the right one um, and that the people that are at the helm that are leading the charge are the right people. So that's that's what little things like that are all one percenters, but they all, all those one percenters add up. And I think that's the exciting thing for Hawks fans at the moment. I think what today also reinforced was uh, Rob McCartney's point to us in our interview that he thinks Hawthorne might win a few more games in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. I think uh, what we saw today might have reinforced that. There's a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the only counterpoint I'll say to that is you can find with a young team that they run out of tickets if they're asked to play full season uh, in, in the AFL system. So how the club manages that in terms of rotating some of those young players out, giving them rest weeks. They tried to give Connor McDonald a rest week, I think, every second week last year. And then there was a late change. He ended up coming back in and playing anyway. Um, so making sure that we don't, you know, really drive these guys into the ground and burn them out in their first and second years 
because we're going to be asking a lot of the second-year players like Josh Ward and Connor McDonald, even, you know, guys like Will Day and Jai Newcomb, you know, these are these are now almost our frontliners. So we need to be careful that we don't run them ragged and risk, you know, having a worse second half of the season to the first half of the season. Um, a couple of stories we want to run through before we finish up. But I think you've got a question. You've got a few more minutes to jump on board and ask. We'll be very happy to have a chat. Um, the neither of you are aware of these two stories. So we haven't discussed a cultural review for a long time. Only that because not much has been reported. Um, but Damien Barrett on afl.com.au on, on his podcast this morning. Uh, it's a very nice goal from someone deep in the fort in the wrong pocket for number 61 for Box Hill. They, uh, they're probably going to win this game actually, which is a bit of consolation for the, for the dreck we saw earlier. Um, one of the stories in the age, we'll get you in a second, Smorganism, was that uh, there's a dust-up on grand final day, a war of words between um, Justin Reeves, Hawthorne CEO, and his Brisbane counterpart, Greg Swan. Bear in mind that the story on the ABC, Russell Jackson story, dropped just four days before the grand final. And obviously, the Brisbane Lions were none the wiser as to the allegations made against... Well, we're totally unaware about the allegations made in this report against Chris Fagan. So that led to the uh, the war, the, sort of the argument at halftime in the grand final in the, in the AFL VIP enclosure. Does reinforce uh, the belief that some have, uh, including me, that uh, the, the report wasn't... Hawthorne had all the best intentions in initiating the report, but the report was shabbily put together. And again, I raised the question about why, as this report was unfolding, and Phil Egan, the author of the report, could see that fairly serious allegations were being made against some fairly consequential people at the football club, that he didn't take uh, time out, go and see Justin Rees and say, we've got a problem here. This is, I'm hearing some serious things about these people. I need to uh, give them the right of, to address these before I write this report. But the report brief was very rigid. And I think that is the frustration a lot of people in the industry have about with Hawthorne at the moment. More, not so much that they went to do the report, people, you know, it was, it was the right thing to say if we've got some, if we've been guilty of some poor practice in the past, we need to uh, discover what is we've done wrong. Um, but the methodology behind the report, the, the inquiry, I think, left a bit to be desired. And Hawthorne is going to feel for the heat, heat for that uh, with some cool relations with some other clubs in the competition at the moment. Anyone want to comment on anything on that? I, the only thing I'll say there is it's not that's not a good look. I, you know, I've caught up on that story l- later this afternoon and um, I don't know how I missed it this morning, but, you know, look, Barrett seems to get that information and when he gets it, you know, there's got to be... Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's not a good look for, for Reeves and, and Hawthorne. The whole process has been sort of shabbily held, handled by the Hawks. So, you know, they're, they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place, but um, you would have liked to have seen them come out of it looking a little better than what they have, I think. Yeah, good point. Um, I'll get the second story in a sec. Uh, Smorgasm, hello. Good evening. How are you? Good evening, guys. Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, this is more, probably more a question, Ash. I don't know whether you know anything on this one, but 
Uh, just a little story floating around that Andy Gowers did come good with the ten million that Jeff was goading him to find. Cool, good, good. I've not heard that, um, but we can certainly make some inquiries. Uh, he's been very low key, Andy Gowers, since taking the uh, job this summit. I don't know whether this summit's taken place or not. Whether any of you here have been involved or asked to be in this summit that was supposed to take place um, not long after he assumed the presidency, certainly. We've heard nothing of it at this stage. Um, that is very good news if it's happened. Um, yeah, I suspect it's true because uh, if it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen, then there'd be people, no doubt, background against uh, Gowers to make it known that, that money hasn't been forthcoming. The fact that uh, we've not heard anything uh, probably suggests it, it might be true. Yeah. But uh, no, it's a good, good thing. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll follow up with a couple of people and see whether that's... Uh, whether that is true and, and report back either next week's uh, spaces or beforehand. Thanks for the heads up. What do you think of the game today? Yeah, hit and miss. Very hit and miss. But uh, Was that think... more a comment on our kicking small or...? <laughs> All yeah. of the above. Um, it was interesting. I was watching what our players were attempting to do. Uh, there was a lot of chip kicks that were missed targets, uh, a lot of handballs to no one in particular. Um, it's almost like they knew where they needed to hit the ball, but uh, there was no one there to uh, take it. But I mean, it's, yeah, it is early in the in the piece, isn't it? So it's it's hard to know exactly what was what was an error and what was actually part of the plan. So I think um, listening to Newcomb, he did a, a little spot with the media team after the game, and he seemed to be in, in uh, good spirits uh, and mentioned that there was some bad habits that they got into during the game and that they'll learn a lot from it. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, mate, thanks for joining us. We did say, uh, Robin Carton did reveal on the, uh, the players can bear. Uh... Oh, I think Ash has muted himself. Ash, are you there? Don't tell me he's been happy Oh, Brad's a little bit quiet there as the well. The insiders are Can you hear me now? Hard. I don't know what's going on, but um, yeah. No, I think Ash a... has been hacked again. I've got a feeling uh, that given we were talking about Jai Newcomb, um, oh, that Ash mentioned, I, I've got a feeling he was going to talk about Rob McCartney uh, and um, the commentary from the pod around Jai Newcomb, and for those that have heard it in it, um, Ash actually mentioned that he'd heard from someone who wouldn't be named from uh, another football club that had suggested that Jai has maybe reached his ceiling. Uh, and Rob just had a bit of a, a chuckle at that, didn't he, he Danny? Did. It, it oh. was a very audible as much with his facial expressions as it was with the the, the, the laugh that he made, but he was pretty he was pretty adamant that that was um, that was definitely not the case, and that, and they think he's going to go up multiple gears, and this is his real his first real um, preseason, no no real time in elite development programs up until now, and his appetite and hunger to to improve and and get better is uh, is second to none. So, uh, and and he said he said I should I should be playing this, I should be mentioning that to Jai because he'll eat it for breakfast. Yeah. Like it's the sort of thing that just 
completely motivates him because he is an absolute pro when it comes to all of his preparation. You back yeah, there, sorry, Ash. I, there. Uh, da- I thought we read last week's debacle, but not. Uh, David, you there? G'day, boys. How you going? Hey, Weezy, probably a good summary of it. The only couple of things I picked out of it was um, Dylan Moore never went near the centre or basically never went near the centre all, all day. So Agree. He never went near the centre, played off half-back a bit, did something else. The other thing is, one of the strengths last year was our tackling. That was a game of touch football. There was a couple of grabs and nothing. Connor Nash had two blokes ready to pin him into the ground and just let him go. I There was a lot of running done today. There wasn't a lot of forced tackling, but I do agree. The other thing is our forward line, they weren't marking the ball, but they also weren't chasing and tackling. There was no pressure. They were able to run. When blokes like um, Radagalia has taken marks and then running off the mark without any pressure, I just think that was a train. I'm a bit with the bloke had said earlier. Don't worry about what happens now because Collingwood did the same to us 12 months ago. I think I reckon it was just a running drill because what Peter talked about is a lot of hard running at the moment, yeah. but there was no hard tackling at all today. I didn't think yeah. there was any. Yeah, I and, think you're... I think you're right, and the way they structured up, especially in the first half, uh, Geelong would just get the ball off their half-back line and just stream forward, and we would we would actually commit players in lines in waves of our own coming forward. So they would always end up with two-on-ones and then go over the top to a player, and the next player would come and approach them and go over the top to it. They always seem to be creating the overlap, and I feel like that may very well have been uh, an attempt to play a system, regardless of how it turned out. Just play the system. You're right about more. I, I wouldn't have thought he attended one single centre bounce. He played off half forward the whole game, and um, yeah, outside of a couple of giant Newcomb tackles, uh, I'd agree with you as well. It, it wasn't a very physical, brutal contest well, whatsoever. Was match simulation. The other thing was... Sorry, Jeff, it was called match simulation rather than practice game, but what, what made it different to a regular game of footy? Oh, what made it different to a game of footy is if you're leaking goals in a certain way, like we were, especially especially towards the end of that first quarter, you probably change things around then and there. Uh, And again, from a systems point of view, um, you know, we would see at the end of a lot of quarters, even last year where Jack Gunston would go back and plug a gap. And in a real game of footy, you do different things to address what is happening on the scoreboard and in that game at the time. And I feel like... Um, Smog mentioned that that sort of little chipping game as well, that there were potentially elements of the game plan that regardless of the scoreboard and result, we were just going to continue to keep trying. And that would be the big difference for me. It didn't matter whether we won by, lost by 80 points or 130 points by, the, by that stage. They would have been under instructions to be trying elements of the game plan. Um, to then be able to go back and review and work on it. Sorry, more. David, I cut you off before your second point. Yeah, the other one was, I think what they were saying, I do agree, and I sent it through to the Hawks Insiders, is that 
our forwards are going to be in trouble. But we've got to kick goals. We cannot miss six set shots of goal in, in three quarters of football. We've got to make set shots of goal count to stop any moment. Because the amount of times we miss a set shot and they go whack straight back at there, then 12 points straight away. Yeah, but uh, we just got to keep. We're five ten at one stage. I looked up and saw the score. So I know that uh, Green and Kazitsi both missed goal. They should have kicked. Now this game's over here. Uh, Two hundred twenty to one hundred thirty-three is the final score. Now, if I've done my maths correctly, that means that Hawthorne uh, might have won the game. But this, the, the Boxall might have won this game. I think possibly. I'm not sure. Total names better than me, but. Uh, Geelong player was upset when you missed a shot at goal before. So, anyway, this one's over and uh, a few good signs out of this VFL game as well. Um, Patrick, good evening. You've got a question for us. I was just going to say on the Damien Barrett thing, I just hope that uh, all the other CEOs being mad at the way we handled the investigation and that doesn't make, make our penalty worse. Well, the CEOs won't have anything to do with the penalty because it'll be decided by the AFL Commission. Um, who knows what the penalties have been? Barrett is peddling Hawthorne losing draft picks, possibly out of this. But the only way this would happen would be if some of the parties involved in it were also found to have uh, done the wrong thing. They can't just throw at, uh, they just can't penalise Hawthorne and then say to the others allegedly involved, well, we can't find any evidence against you, so you walk away. So it's in everybody is uh, everybody's at, at, at fault, and there'll be draft picks. For and fines for Hawthorne, and there will be penalties for, and there'll be suspensions of what have you for some of the individuals involved. But I can't see it would be one side enough that it'll be Hawthorne carrying the complete weight of this. And don't worry about the other, what the other clubs say. It is the independent AFL commission that will ultimately determine the outcome and any penalties, uh, so forth. I still think there'll be probably some financial sanction directed towards the Hawks at some stage, but um, it's going to be increasingly hard to make anything stick, stick in this case. It's it's very much of, you know, it's been very hard to find universal agreement um, in, in what took place, and it's going to be very, very hard to have this sorted out anytime soon either. So that's uh, my take on it. Um, uh, by the way, oh, sorry, before you go, I just thought I'd let you know Box Hill 183 to 80. They just posted. 83 to 80. There you go. So... Uh, there you go. So good takeaway, uh, Box Hill. Um, I have no idea who most of the players were for Box Hill, but uh, a couple of the Hawthorne listed guys did bits and pieces that will be broken down, I'm sure, by Box Hill and Hawthorne media teams over the next couple of days. A couple of observations. Chris said Wingard was good in the first half and good pressure. Mick Howard says that uh, Nash didn't go into the centre square all that often. Um, so there's a couple more observations uh, on the uh, spaces. I think that's going to wrap it up for tonight. A bit, uh, you know, a bit hodgepodge, but we got there. Weesey, well done to you for taking the trouble to go down and be our resident reporter down in uh, Geelong. I can say with reasonable confidence that we won't have anybody at the game in Tasmania next week, but hopefully the Five o'clock starting time will make it better for us to sit down and watch as much of it as we can before we jump back on the spaces at 8.30. Um, any more housekeeping, Lucy, before I go? No. Were you about to say something, Brad? 
Uh, no, I was just going to say three more weeks to go till it finally kicks off. So time hopefully will go quickly because, we see, as you said, I'm sure it was great just to be down there today, the game of footy. But, yeah, round one, Sunday afternoon, the sun will hopefully be shining up against the Bombers. Can't come quick enough. Um, we did want to discuss the, uh, the leadership groups, I don't think, which I think was announced post our last spaces, but... Uh... We did a uh, we did a, a story about that, but um, we'll discuss that more. We've got uh, two weeks of previews uh, as well to come up on the spaces. We'll use the two uh, spaces before uh, after the Collingwood game and before round one to get us teeth stuck into the season preview. We've got some good content coming up about the 1983 40 year reunion of the Hawthorne Premiership. Did a podcast with a well known player from that team, and a few more to come in the next few days which was uh, really good. Daz and I spoke to someone yesterday. It was a great interview, so there'll be more of that and some stories as well coming up on Hawks Insiders. So I think that's it. We see anything I need to add? No? Yes? No, that's all. Just keep tuned. There's plenty more content coming your way, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in again. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, uh, Danny, for hosting tonight. We'll be back on Thursday. We've got two more Thursdays to go uh, on the spaces before we move to Wednesdays, what least Thursday night footy, same thing as we did last year. So put those in your diary. Um, feel free. And also, invitation to write on the Substack. We do all the heavy, we do all the writing here, but if you've got something you want to write about, you think you've got a Hawthorne subject you want to explore, you think you know more than uh, we do about the which is probably not quite hard, to be honest, um, please drop us a line. We'd love to uh, solicit anybody to write a piece for the Substack as well. It's not just pitch to us four or five either. So uh, feel free to come up with an idea and pitch it to us. We'd love to publish it and then get you on the spaces to talk about it as well. That's it, everybody. Uh, it's a practice game. It's still February. It's still warm. Don't uh, wake up tomorrow thinking it never happened in the first place. Put it back in your mind because I think I suspect the players and the club probably have already by the time they got back to Melbourne. So uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the, the, the warm weather while it's still here. We'll talk to you again next Thursday on the Spaces and keep visiting our Substack for great Hawthorne content. Talk to you next week. Thanks and good. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews and so much more.